we will be in the book of Judges tonight, Judges chapter number 12, or 13, I'm sorry, Judges chapter number 13, that's where we'll be at this evening, Judges chapter number 13. Now, while you're turning there, uh, there anybody that has a testimony, anybody like to praise the Lord about anything? Yes, sir. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else got a testimony for the Lord tonight? Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Anybody else got a testimony? Yes, ma'am. Yes, we do. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Testimonies? Oh, yes, sir. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody else? No? All right. Judges chapter number 13. Judges chapter number 13. We're going to read just a few verses of Scripture. And Judges chapter number 13. The Bible says, starting in verse number 1, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the dainties, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not of any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now I want you to flip over verse 24. It said, And the woman bare a son, and call his name Samson. And the child grew, and the Lord 
blessed him. We're going to talk to you tonight about Samson and about uh, all that Samson did and different things like this. And we're going to talk about really a blueprint of what not to follow. And we're going to kind of talk about Samson's life tonight, basically that blueprint of what we're not supposed to do. And uh, listen, God blessed Samson in in certain ways, but Samson wasn't one that uh, did what was right. Uh, And so we're going to talk about some of that stuff here this evening and uh, how to examine our life and what we ought to look at uh, in this passage of Scripture. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the privilege we have of uh, being here tonight. Thank you for the Word of God, Lord, and how you speak to our hearts, Lord, through it. I just thank you for, uh, Lord, all the visitors we had this morning, Lord, the uh, teenagers and everything, Lord, that we had uh, just guests coming. And, Lord, what a blessing it is to see new faces coming uh, on a regular basis, Lord, and we sure appreciate that. Thank you for the faithful folks as well, Lord. Thank you that we still do preach truth, and uh, we don't back down from that. And, Lord, may we always preach truth, for it is only the truth that sets men free. And, Lord, if there's anyone here tonight that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you tonight. Lord, be with all those that are sick. Lord, I know even this evening there's many that's had to stay home due to sickness tonight, and I pray that you'll please be with them. Watch over them, Lord. Please keep them uh, your hedge about them. And, uh, Lord, all the sickness that's going around, Lord, may we uh, be able to get over this soon. Lord, we sure love you and thank you for all your many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. When we were in Judges chapter 12, we spoke about Ephraim and how Ephraim was always that one that wanted the spotlight. They always wanted the, the, the grandeur and the glory, but they never wanted to do the work. Uh, they never wanted to do what it took to uh, get there uh, or to do uh, the work. They all, never wanted to do that, but they wanted to reap the benefits of it. Uh, they wanted to do all of that. And it just seems like there's a pattern that goes on and on in the life of Israel of how God delivers them. They call out to God, and then as soon as things get better, guess what they do? They turn back and they go to false gods and false idols and all of those things. But now we're about to examine the life of one of the most colorful yet careless men in the Old Testament. One of the, uh, or, or in the book of Judges anyway. But he was basically, as we would look at it, as the incredible hawk of the Old Testament, uh, Samson. One of the strongest men in all of the world. But yet we're going to see some things about his life. Samson is one of the greatest puzzles of the Bible. I look at his life and I'm, I'm just puzzled by it. I'm puzzled by how God was, uh, his strength was so much on Samson, but yet Samson did so much evil uh, and so much wickedness in the eyes of God. His weaknesses, uh, he was the strongest man physically, but yet he was also very weak. He had some physical strength, but yet he was weak in other areas. It was his weakness, though, that overcame his strength. The weakness that Samson had that overcame the strength that he was given by God. And you understand that same truth applies to us as well. In chapter 13, it's really just introducing Samson. It's talking about uh, how God brings, uh, comes to uh, Samson's mother, which we don't even really know her name. We don't know who she is other than she's the wife of Manoah. And uh, so we know that. We don't know who she is other than she was barren. She wasn't able to have children. But finally, the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, listen, you're going to bear a son. And as you go through the whole thing, it's the story of how Manoah, finds out about it and all of these things and now she bears a son she they were given some instructions about Samson's life and how God was going to use Samson to deliver the nation of Israel out of bondage Samson's weakness was a craving for ungodly women 
He had a craving for things like that. And you know what? He had this desires to do things uh, that were ungodly. He pursued the desires of his heart with abandonment towards God. He had been given many blessings by God, but yet he chose to take the way of the flesh and then live the way of the Spirit on, uh, during the day. During nighttime, he lived for himself. During the day, most of the time, he lived trying to fight against the enemies of God. And it seems like that's a pattern in our churches today as we have people that have this double-mindedness just like Samson did. They have the double-mindedness to the fact where, man, they'll war for God over here, but yet they live their life and sow their wild oats over on this side. And they say, well, God surely is going to uh, be pleased with that and all of these things. But listen, Samson, Samson realized little of the potential that God had given him, and he tragically failed. See, he had so much potential to do for the Lord. He had so much potential to go on for God. God had blessed him and gave him strength beyond imagination. I don't, I don't even believe that Samson was one of these guys that walked around looking like the Incredible Hulk. I believe he just had supernatural strength that God had given him. He had a strength that was probably uh, puzzling to people. And they said, how in the world is this guy so strong? And God had given him that strength. And he was really very physically strong. And in the book of Hebrews, he's even indicated as a man of faith. But listen, his faith was not consistent. His faith in God wasn't a consistent type faith. And listen, as we know what God did through the life of Samson uh, and how he still delivered the nation of Israel... Uh, at the end when all the Philistines died, and we'll get to that in chapter 14 and 15 as we go along. But the fact is, he's just introducing Samson to us, but most of you don't really need much more introduction because you know what he's all about. But Samson was undisciplined, he was unpredictable, and he was undependable. Why? Because of his double-mindedness. You never knew what Samson was going to do. He was one of those just uh, thought something that he should do something, so boom, he did it. Well, James chapter 1, verse 8 says a double-minded man is unstable in some of his ways. No, it says in all his ways. So having a double-mindedness means that we have no stability. If we're double-minded, that means there's nothing stable for us to stand on. One of the greatest abilities, they say, is dependability. I believe it's availability as well if you've got to be available for the Lord. But listen, when God calls you to do something, you've got to be dependable for the work. God ought to be able to depend on you. And God ought to be able to depend on me. The Bible reveals that you could depend on Samson to do one thing, to be undependable. That's what you could depend on Samson for. As you read through the Bible, uh, Samson's life was about not being dependable. Not being dependable about what he was supposed to be doing. See, God uh, had said to his mother, listen, he's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to have that Nazarite vow. That was supposed to be a, a humiliating thing, a humble thing. But it was supposed to bring honor to God as they were uh, basically just their whole life was supposed to be dedicated to the Lord. But Samson and God had given him a supernatural strength. And in that supernatural strength, Samson took it and used it for his own gain and his own glory. There were certain things that he was not supposed to do. There were certain things in his life that he was supposed to stay away from. But he wasn't dependable to keep God's law and keep God's plan and what God intended for him to do. My question is, tonight, are you dependable? Can God depend on you? Can the Lord count on you? Or are we wishy-washy and double-minded, just like he was? 
Are we sometimes over here and sometimes over here and sometimes over here for God and sometimes over here or are we steadfast? See, he fought the Lord's battle day by day, but he disobeyed the Lord in his command at night when he was by himself. He had different desires. He had different things. Oh, in the, in the spotlight when other people were watching, Samson was doing the things of God, fighting the Lord's battle. But when it was by himself in the quietness of his own heart and his own mind, he was doing the things that were contrary to God. Samson, at times, lived in sin and darkness. In fact, his, his life ended in darkness with him being blinded. His life ended in that way. And listen, any time that you allow Satan to blind you from the, uh, from the reality that God punishes sin, you're going to live a blinded life and you're going to end up a miserable, miserable person, just as Samson was. Just as Samson was. Listen, he was blinded by the enemy that he was sent to conquer. God brought him to, to deliver them from the Philistines. But yet, he was blinded by them. Why? Because he didn't separate himself from them. He kept walking around with them, making deals with them, doing different things that uh, God did not want him to do. Physically... His name was synonymous with strength. Physically, he was uh, known for strength. Potentially, he had the potential. He was chosen by the Lord to deliver God's people. Mentally, Samson was alert and intelligent, but at, very, at times he was very stupid. Spiritually, he had an unusual relationship with God. And in spite of all the advantages, though, that God gave him, he failed because he disobeyed God. He disobeyed God's plan. See, if we go back and we think about the judges that we've read about already, Ehud's life brought 80 years of rest. Deborah brought 40 years of peace and rest. And there's others that we can go through that talk about how the nation of Israel found rest in the eyes of God. But you don't find anywhere in Samson's time that there was rest for the nation of Israel. You don't find as you begin to see through Samson's life, there wasn't rest. Why? Because Samson had some attributes about him that never can produce peace. Never can do, produce peace. <clears throat> so let's take the letters of Samson's name. And let's talk about some of the things that Samson had in his life. We're not going to belabor all of them, but we are going to talk about some of them. Samson had a, a sensuality in his thoughts. That's what the letter S starts out with. His mind was fixed on immorality, immoral things. He allowed the lust of the flesh to change his life and to steer him in a direction that God did not want him to go. There was no peace in Samson's life at this time. Why? Because any time that sin is on the forefront of your life, there's never going to be peace. Because the peace of God, which passes all understanding, the Bible says, shall keep our hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. And if you're not living a life for Christ Jesus, you're living a life for self and this sensuality in his mind, guess what? He was in turmoil inside because of sin. Not only did he have sensuality of mind, but his attitude was rebellious towards God and God's will for his life. 
His attitude was rebellion. There were several things in Samson's life that he was not supposed to do. If you remember, he wasn't supposed to partake of anything of the vine. He wasn't supposed to touch a dead animal. He wasn't supposed to shave his head. He wasn't supposed to do any of that. But if you remember about uh, the dead carcass of the lion, how he reached in there and how he took of the honey from the dead carcass. No, Samson was just one of those uh, wildfire type guys. He was one of those guys that just, man, if it feels good, do it. And his attitude towards God's will was just that. He even goes to his father uh, as we're going through. We're going to touch on some of this over the next couple weeks. But he goes to his father and he tells his father that he wants this Philistine woman. They're the enemies. He tells his dad, Dad, I want you to go get this person for me. And he says, Son, I can't get that person for you, but he wants you to go get him anyway. She doeth good. She pleaseth me well. With her eyes. You know what? His attitude and his sensuality in his mind, but his attitude was rebellion towards God and God's will for his life. I wonder how many of us, our attitude towards God's will is when God tells us, I want you to do this, we just say, God, I don't care what you say. God, I don't care what you want me to do. God, I don't care about the supernatural strength that you've given me through the Holy Spirit of God, that the strength that comes from you, that if I walk in you, I don't care about that, Lord. I'm going to do what makes me feel good. That was Samson's attitude. That was Samson's mindset as he goes through. The letter M of his life was he mingled with the enemy. You understand the Bible tells us to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. He has a a, a lot to say about separation in Scripture. And you know what? Uh, Samson was was not uh, commissioned by God to go and fellowship with the Philistines. He was there to destroy the Philistines who were the enemy of God and deliver the nation of Israel out of it. That's what he was supposed to do. But all throughout Samson's life, as you look, he begins to fellowship and basically fraternize with the enemy. He becomes friends with the Philistines and talks about it, and then he fights against them. And then he goes back and he makes deals with them. And he goes back and forth. You know what he was doing is he was mingling with the enemy. He was just like we are when we go out in the world and act like the world acts and talk like the world talks and say what the world says and dress like the world dresses and listen to what the world listens to and does all these things. And we mingle with the world and we expect God to bless us. We expect God to be okay with that. We expect God to shine down from heaven and uh, all of those things and he make us Uh, man, give us so many blessings, undeserving. But the fact of the matter is I'm glad for the grace of God and I'm glad for the mercy of God. But I want you to understand a holy God will only take so much. He'll only take so much. He had the sensuality of mind. His attitude was rebellion towards God. His uh, M was he mingled with the enemies. S is he was stubborn and sinful. He was very stubborn, rebellious towards his parents. His parents told him what God had told them and what he was supposed to do with his life. And you know what he said? I don't care about that. I want what pleases me. He was rebellious towards his parents. I want you to understand, young people, listen up. Don't be rebellious towards your parents. Don't be rebellious towards your parents. Why? The Bible says that rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Ephesians 6 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Whether you agree with them or not, God has put them in your life to try to help point you to God. And you don't always understand why they say what they say or why they do what they do, but they have to answer to God for how they raise you. 
And I want you to understand something. When you have this mindset of stubbornness and sinfulness that, man, when your parents say something, you just want to say, nope, not going to do it. You better watch out. Because the end of your life, guess what? You're going to end up blinded by sin, just like Samson was. End up blinded by sin, just like Samson was. I can stand up here today and tell you this. I did not always agree with decisions my parents made. Didn't always agree with it. But you know what I was told to do? Submit and obey. And I tried to do that. I didn't always succeed, but I tried to do that. And the fact of the matter is, we have to honor our father and our mother, do those things. But his attitude towards them was he acted like they were his servants to do what he wanted them to do. Young people, listen, your parents aren't your servant. They're not your servant. In fact, they served you so much when you were an infant to make sure that you could stay alive and do all those things. You owe them a great debt. When you were crying in the middle of the night, who was up with you? When you were sick, who was it that was there with you? Who changed your dirty diapers and fed you? Clothed you, did all those things and bathed you. Your parents did. You owe them a great respect. But his, he was stubborn and sinful. He was obstinate as well. Samson lived his way instead of God's way. You know what he said? He said, listen, it's my way or the highway. That's kind of the way he was. He was very obstinate in his demeanor and what all he was doing. He was also neglecting warnings and not disciplined. He was neglecting warnings and not disciplined. Samson couldn't discipline himself and was unable to discipline others because he didn't have discipline himself. See, it's hard for us to teach discipline to young people, parents, when we're not disciplined ourselves. When we're not disciplined towards the things of God, how are our young people going to be disciplined towards the things of God? When we're not disciplined in our life, in areas of our life, it's hard for us to teach discipline to others. It's hard for us to show that when we, don't, uh, when we don't bring that out in our own life. When we don't exemplify those things in our life, it's hard for us to expect them to do that. Because we don't have that discipline in our life. He was unable to discipline others. Since he was undisciplined, guess what else he was? He was unspiritual. When you're undisciplined in the things of God, you're going to be unspiritual. You say, what are you talking about? When you don't discipline yourself to read the Bible, you're going to be unspiritual. When you don't discipline yourself to pray, you're going to be unspiritual. When you don't have discipline to do that. Listen, all the other judges that we talk about are introduced as adults. When they're in their adulthood. But with Samson, we're introduced to him at the beginning of his life. And as we look at the beginning of his life and all the things that were, that were in his life... We see what was taking place in all of this. The nation of Israel was repeating the cycle that they had done for all these years. As they were in disobedience, they did evil again in the sight of the Lord. This is the seventh cycle of sin in the book of Judges. If you start going through all the way through this, this is the seventh turnaround now that we're reading about and studying in all of this. They are like a needle that is stuck on a record. And the record player, some of the kids are like, what's a record? Okay, it's this little thing that's got an arm that comes out, had a little needle on it, a little black disc that spun around like this, and sometimes it would say, uh, welcome to the show, welcome to the show, welcome to the show, like that, you know, because it got stuck in one of the grooves there. That's what a record was. That's what the nation of Israel was like. 
They were like that record that was just broken, go, repeating, 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 repeating. And when I look at it, Brother Ron, sometimes I just get so frustrated with the nation of Israel. And I say, what in the world is your problem? And then God reminds me, they're flesh just like you. <laughs> and I think, ouch, okay, Lord, I'm getting it. But that's their cycle. Man, that's seven times already. God's delivered them. And now they turn right around. And go back to this thing. And again, we see that God's people have not learned their lesson about what the consequences of sin is. And there's one thing that we can learn from history is that we don't learn from history. That's what we can learn. We, we can learn this fact that we just don't learn, do we? We're stubborn. We're hard-headed people. The reason that Samson is needed... To bring the nation of Israel out, they needed somebody else to help deliver them out. Was they were just falling back into it without somebody in their leadership going forward and doing this. Listen, the the standards of the Jewish society began to slip. The Philistines began to uh, bring the Jews into their culture and their religion. They were pulling the Jews towards their ideology, their philosophies, all of these different things that were coming out. And the Jews were apathetic and indifferent towards the Lord. They weren't, uh, they weren't grateful for all the things that God had done for them. And man, in testimony, when Miss Janice says tonight that, listen, God has been good to Faith Baptist Church. God's been good to every one of us in here tonight. But we get so apathetic and we get so indifferent towards God and we start uh, just looking at the inward uh, way that we think about things. And listen, a host of bad things were uh, going on at this time and all these bad things have been labeled good. And that's, you know, as we read through, all, they just looked at all the bad and it was labeled as good. And you think, how in the world could that happen? Well, it happens today. The things that aren't right, we label as good. The things that we ought not to listen to, ought not to watch, man, we watch and we listen to it. Why? Because, oh, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as, well, it could be, preacher. Listen, if it's a little bit bad, it's still bad. It's bad. Why? Because sin is sin, no matter how big or how small you think it is. It's wrong. But we have a good way of of trying to excuse our sin because it's not as bad as somebody else's, we think. We try to excuse the things that we say are right when they're not really right. They're wrong, and we need to identify them as such. The same trend is happening all over today, just like it was with the nation of Israel. Sin is being legislated by our government. They're made to say things that are wrong or good. The media admires and applauds wickedness. Hollywood has done a good job of making the things that are wholesome and pure into that God has designed for a married couple into the lives of our young people. He's done all these things to twist God's perfect word and uh, what God has intended for good and made it all to be bad and the bad things to be good. That's what's happening in our society today. Men who are not condemned by the laws of men will, listen, one day be judged by the holy laws of God. As though we got to understand, even though the world may think what we're doing is not bad, a holy God who created us and saved us by grace through faith, we're going to stand and give an account before him one day. 
And I don't know about you, but when I look before my heavenly Father, I don't want to just make it into heaven because I was saved by grace through faith. I want to be able to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You say, well, isn't that kind of vain, Brother Caldwell? You shouldn't be wanting to hear, well done. Listen, my desire is to please my heavenly Father. That's my desire. Our desire ought to be to please God rather than man. Our desire ought to be that God is pleased with Faith Baptist Church, not that man is pleased with Faith Baptist Church. And as long as we preach this book and we stand on the truth of God's Word and we live by this book and we don't just say it, we do it, we live it, guess what? God is going to be pleased with this. But when we start allowing the Philistine of the world to drag us into their philosophy, into their way of thinking, and, oh, well, you just need to let up on salvation because, you know, this, or you need to let up on standards because you're going to offend somebody, or you need to let up on this and that. No, listen, let God be true, and every man a liar, and the fact of the matter is we don't ever let up on anything that God doesn't let up on. Well, preach the Word of God. Be instant in season, out of season. God says homosexuality is a sin. It's an abomination before the Lord. Preacher, are you worried about saying that because our sermons are recorded? Listen, I'm here to tell you the Bible says homosexuality is an abomination before the Lord. It's wrong. It's sin. And you know what we're trying to do is even make our churches be accepting of that type of lifestyle. Let me explain something to you. God still loves every one of those people. But He doesn't love sin. And we ought to love every one of those people and try to love them to Christ. But we ought not to uh, condone the sin and the sinful lifestyle in which they live. You know what you're not going to see flying on Faith Baptist Church? You're not going to see the rainbow flag flying. Even though the rainbow is God's promise to never destroy the earth again in that, that type of manner. It was God's promise to man. But they've taken it and twisted it and put something that is an abomination and using that as their example of what's right. Listen, I'm here to tell you it's wrong and it's sin today. It's wrong. Abortion's wrong. Alcoholism's wrong. Gambling's wrong. Divorce is wrong. Adultery is wrong. Pornography is wrong. All of these different things are wrong. Guess what else is wrong? Lying is wrong. You know, the Bible says lying lips are an abomination unto the Lord. You mean to tell me that God puts lying on the same plateau as homosexuality? He does. You know what he's trying to teach us in this aspect is this, that God judges sin. God judges sin. A holy God will judge sin. When you preach a bad doctrine, it produces bad people. Produces bad people. Why? Because doctrine taints people. Makes them believe things one way or another. You say, what are you talking about? When you have good doctrine, truthful doctrine, guess what it does? It, it, it grasps people in and they, get, they hang on to it and say, hey, that's doctrine. Guess what? We ought to stick to it. Well, to stick to it. But there are bad doctrines that are being taught. And when those bad doctrines come out, guess what? There's bad development in people's life. There's bad development in people's life. Wrong beliefs produce wrong behaviors. Wrong beliefs produce wrong behaviors. Guess what? You need to believe that sin is sin. Why? Because God said so. God said so. You know what he says to uh, his church? You know what he says to his children? 
Come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? He's telling us, listen, as a child of God, we're not supposed to act like the world. Romans 12.1, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he tells us, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's telling us he doesn't want conformality. He doesn't want us to conform to the things of the world, this Philistine-type mindset. That's not what we're supposed to conform to. But you know what Samson did? Samson fought against that when everybody was around. But he conformed to it when he was in the privacy of his own life. Our nation has become so perverted that homosexuals are even accepted and ordained into churches. And we can say, well, preacher, is that really taking place? Listen, drive down the road about three miles. Go into Shepherdstown and look what you see flying on churches. The rainbow flag. Well, we got to be tolerant to everybody. Listen, you know what you need to do? You need to tolerate the fact that there's people that are sinners and they need Jesus as their Savior, but we don't tolerate sin. You can't tolerate sin. Why? Because God doesn't tolerate it. Oh, guess what? We ought not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We ought not to act as if we're better and we've arrived than other people. But the fact of the matter is, listen, we ought not to be afraid to call sin, sin. Let our young people know that God did not intend one man and one man for a lifetime. God intended one man and one woman for a lifetime. That's what marriage is all about. He didn't create Adam and, Eve, Adam and Steve, he created Adam and Eve. The fact of the matter is, God made it that way because that's the way it's supposed to be. You say, preacher, that's not really... Very politically correct. I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm trying to be biblically correct. And the fact of the matter is, listen, that does not mean that God hates a homosexual person. It means God hates homosexuality. The sin. The person can be saved and God can change their life around and make a new creature in them. Why? Because old things can be passed away and behold, all things become new. Well, preacher, I don't believe a homosexual can be saved. Well, you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. Because he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. It's anybody who will receive Jesus Christ by faith in the finished work of Jesus can be saved. Now listen, I'm telling you, I'm against it. Why? Because God didn't intend it that way. But we need to be able to call sin, sin and preach what God wants us to preach. And tell what God wants us to tell. Their disobedience was happening. This was the cycle It's displayed through the evil that's done in the sight of the Lord. Listen, you understand God does see our sins. What we do isn't hidden from God. Jeremiah 16 verse 17 says this, For my eyes are upon all their ways. They are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. I think it's so funny that we think we can, when we get into our car and shut the door, that God's not there. That God can't see us in what's going on. When we shut the door of our bedroom or we go into our house, that God can't see through the roof of our house and tell what we're doing and what's in our heart. Listen, God sees it and God knows. God knows our thoughts. He sees our sin. 
Psalm 139, verse 2, Thou knowest my downsittings and mine uprisings. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Psalm 19, verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Why does it say, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord? You know what that means? That God even sees the thoughts and intents of your heart. God sees the thoughts and intents of your heart. So why do you do what you do? Why do you serve the Lord? Is it for others to see like Samson did on the outside? But when you get by yourself, it's all about you. God knows your heart. He knows what's on the inside of your heart. But this was the pattern for the nation of Israel. The Lord had delivered Israel into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. The Bible teaches us through Scripture and through all of this. Listen, the Israel was God's people, wasn't it? But it goes to show you that God will deal with sin. God will deal with sin. The intensity of this judgment continues and increases all throughout Judges. The book of Judges, as I read through it, I'm just, my mind is just blown away by how they don't learn their lesson. And then God uses it to remind me of something that I haven't learned my lesson and that you haven't learned yours. And that God has to keep reminding us over and over and over again to do the right thing. This time, the duration was 40 years, twice as long as the longest oppression in chapter 4, verse 3. But there's a difference here than on all the other ones. There's no cry for help. There's no cry out to God. And all the other ones, what happened? They cried out to the Lord and the Lord sent a deliverer to deliver them. That goes to show you when we cry out to him and he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And all of these, there is no cry. There's no cry for God. They had become hard-hearted. They become hard-hearted. Listen, the Philistines were trying to do things to change God's people. What were they doing? They were intermarrying them. They were doing different things like that. Why? So that they could try to get rid of that bloodline of Christ. All these different things are taking place. And here God's bringing up a, a young man that God has equipped to have everything that's needed to destroy the Philistine army and to destroy the enemies of God. But the guy takes the gifts that God has given him and uses them for himself and ends up blinded and in the end of his life dies. Oh, he got right with the Lord there at the end and he asked God to forgive him and give him strength one more time. But at the end of his life, he dies with the enemy. Why? Because he just would not listen and heed the will of God. See, as I began to look at this pattern of what's taking place, I thought this is a, a good blueprint of what we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to take the gifts that God has given us and use them for our own gain and our own abilities. We're not supposed to use uh, the grace and the mercy of God as a crutch to live life the way we want to live it just because we expect God to forgive us and move on with life. 
There's people I know that have said this in the past. They're like, well, you know what? I'm just glad that we can live life the way we want to live life and then just ask God to forgive us. And man, he's okay with it. And he just forgives us. Listen, God's not okay with that kind of stuff. Oh, God is gracious and God is merciful. But there's going to come a day in our life where God's going to say enough is enough. Enough is enough. And God at that point is, guess what? He's going to allow us to be blinded by our own sin. Samson ended up being blinded by the enemy that God sent him to destroy. Why? Because he would not heed the words of God. He would not heed the commandments of the Lord. And as I was going through this, we're just in the introduction of Samson's life. Next week, we're going to talk about some things uh, as we get into chapter 14. And it begins to give us more detail of everything that's going on. And we touched on some things tonight. One thing we need to learn is that the way that Samson's mindset was and what he did, his attitude, his stubbornness, all of those things, the sensuality in his mind, everything that he did, that being right there mingling with the enemy, All of those things are things that God does not want his children to do. So as I bring this message to a close, I want to ask this. What are we doing for God? Are we mingling with the enemy? Are we living a stubborn life? Are we allowing our mind to go to places that they ought not to go? Are we allowing our eyes to look at things they ought not to look at? Are we allowing our heart to meditate on things that God doesn't intend us to meditate on? He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Psalm 101 verse 3 says this, I will set no wicked thing before mine eye. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Why does he say those things? Why does the psalmist write that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God? Why is that written? Why? Because your eye affects your heart. Your eye affects your heart. You got to be careful what we allow to go into our eyes and to our ears and all those things. Why? Because they affect our spirit on the inside. Affects our heart. And listen, God gave Samson all the tools that were needed to destroy the enemy. And guess what God's given us? He's given us the tools that we need to fight against Satan. He's given us the armor of God. And you know what he tells us to do? Put it on. Put it on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in that evil day, having done all to stand. That means that God gives us a job. What is that? To put on the armor. You know what God did not say? I'm going to put the armor on you. He didn't say that. He said, put on the armor of God. He said this, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give it to you, but you have to put it on. That's what Samson had to do. He was given it. But you know what he had to do? He had to use it the way that God intended it to be used. But he didn't do that. He didn't do Oh, there was many Philistines that he killed. There was many people in battle that he destroyed. But you know what he still liked? He still liked the lifestyle of the Philistines. Oh, man, it really pleased his flesh. And that's what he really desired. And that's where we are in our Christian lives sometimes as believers. We get to the place where we, the things of this world are so enticing to us that we would rather please the world than to please God. And listen, it's going to cause dangerous ground if we go that direction. You say, why? Because we're going to end up blinded by the very enemy that God sent us to fight against. Who is that, Satan? 
Satan. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to be a strong soldier for Jesus Christ. The only way we can do that, though, is to put on his armor and fight the battle the way he intends it to be fought. Let's not follow the pattern of Samson's life. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Our strength comes from God, and Samson's strength came from God. But Samson used that strength in the wrong ways. And oftentimes we use what God gives us in the wrong ways. And let me encourage you tonight just to submit to the Lord. Surrender completely to Him. Do what He tells you to do. You say, preacher, there's this whole pattern that you've been talking about on Sunday mornings and all the stuff has to deal with surrender and submission and surrender and submission. Listen, that's where true faith comes in. That's where true faith comes in. It's just letting God dictate your life. Letting God be the pilot and you being the co-pilot. You say, what does that mean? That means that I'm just over here waiting for him to tell me what to do. I don't turn unless he says turn. I don't do what unless he says do it. You know what? We need to let the word of God guide our life. Parents, let me ask you this. I don't want you to raise your hand. Just think about it. Where do you want your child to be 10 years from now? Grandmas, grandpas, where do you want your kids to be 10 years from now? Where do you want your grandkids to be? If they were going to end up following in your footsteps based on the way that you obey God, what do they have to look forward to? Are they going to be obedient? Or are they going to be rebellious? Are they going to submit and surrender to God? Or are they just going to live a pharisaical life that one day they're serving Him and the next day they're living for self? Because you understand they're not naive. The young people know whether we're real or whether we're fake. They know it. They know it. Let me admonish you tonight. If there are, is some fakeness in your heart and in your mind, give it to God tonight. Give it to God tonight. Why? Because he can turn things around. He can turn things around. And he's willing to do that if we'll just submit to him. With our heads bowed, eyes closed.